Again, those are hypotheticals. Those are some hypotheticals. I don't think we're going to go down those roads right now. Again, you know, uh, hypothetical. Yeah, I'm not going to get into individual contracts. Uh, again, those, those aren't things that I would speak about here. Yeah, again, another hypothetical. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. start a little update on me i turned 24 last friday 24 years of age as brian anderson would say 24 years old uh, the rest of us would say and since friday i have done two things that make me feel like i'm a year older and a year more mature uh number one today i got a car wash and i never get car washes ever I'm not anti-car wash. It's just I don't have the time and I got to drive up to a door. And what if the door doesn't work or I get something wrong and then I'm sitting there looking like an idiot. I just, I, I'd rather avoid the whole thing. So my car gets dirty in the winter, but it's a car. It out, sits outside. It's not my child or my pet. It's a car. But this morning, it was a nice day. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to treat my car for the, for the health of the exterior and the, the paint and everything. I don't know. I'm not a mechanic. I went and got a car wash, and it has carried me through the rest of my day. I, I walked out twice in the middle of the workday just to stretch my legs and look at my car and just look at how good it looks outside. I can't wait to leave work and walk out and see it again. So I feel 24 years old because of this. Also, part of maturing, I've realized, is going back and realizing that Bruno Mars was always good and his albums were always really good, and it was me who looked past them and didn't enjoy them. So I'm coming to a lot of realizations this week. I've been 24 for a couple of days. I'm already listening to old Bruno Mars albums and getting my car washed. I might get a monthly subscription. I might go every day so I can experience this every day. What a great feeling. This is what adulthood is like, huh? This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. We thought maybe we we're going to get a baseball deal last night or today. And well, I thought I think I was naive. I don't think it was ever going to happen. We're going to talk a little bit about baseball probably throughout the show because my guess is we're going to talk about Badgers or Bucks or Packers and people will call or text in with their Bucks or Badgers or Packers takes, but they'll also sprinkle in, oh, by the way, screw baseball. <laughs> so it's probably going to come up once or twice throughout the show. David Gasper of Reviewing the Brew, the grand poobah of that fine blog, that fine publication, and one of the best friends to this program. He'll join us at 530. I'm excited to talk to him. I was hoping that maybe we'd have a new deal to talk about. But now as I kind of sift through everything and read through uh, the tidbits and the reports, I think I was naive to think that this was going to happen yesterday or today. I think this was always the owner's plan. I don't think they want to play in March or April. I don't think they want to play these games, which sucks because I love the first month of the season. It's awesome. I love March and April and May. And it's not that June and July and August and September aren't great. The rest of the season is great too, but I... There's something about coming home after work and it's a little chilly outside still, depending on the day uh, and turning on the Brewer game. I love early season baseball and it sucks that the owners and the league seem intent on pushing the season out of April and May because they don't make as much money or whatever. I, I don't know. It sucks. So we're going to talk about all that and sift through some of the details. I don't care to know about most of the details, uh, only what, I need to know and what you need to know to kind of understand what's going on. We'll talk about all that with David Gasper in the second part of the show. But like I said, I think it's going to come up. 
probably throughout the show tonight. I want to talk about the Packers here and there. Brian Gudikin spoke at the Combine today. Not going to get bogged down in Aaron Rodgers today. I'm making a vow to you right now at 4.06 p.m. I'm not going to get bogged down in Aaron Rodgers today. I'm not going to go on a rant. I'm not going to whine. I was on with Ebo this morning. Ebo always tells me I whine about Aaron Rodgers too much. Sorry, I'm thrilled to lose in the playoffs before the Super Bowl every year. Pardon me for being upset about that. All right, end of miniature rant. Going to hear a little bit from Brian Gutekinds, but not whine about Aaron Rodgers. I want to start by talking about the Badgers and the Bucks. Same place we started yesterday. We started yesterday's show by talking about close games, right? It's a really fascinating topic. The different ways in which we discuss a close win or a close loss, right? It's all interpretation. If a basketball team wins a game by three, is it luck? Is it because they made their shots? Or is it grit? Is it toughness? Stones, right? Resilience. As always, the truth lies somewhere in the middle, right? The Badgers are gritty, and they do have a lot of toughness. They've probably gotten lucky here and there. It's tough as fans to see it. It's really tough as a fan to watch a great game where your team wins by two or three points and walk away and say, man, we really got lucky here and here, 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 right? Because that's taking away credit from your own team. We don't really like doing that. We have no problem doing it when it's another team, right? Like when I watch the Vikings and they barely beat Sam Darnold and the Panthers, oh, I'll be the first to to talk about how lucky they got. Well, they won the coin toss in overtime, right? Or, uh, (laughs) right, Kirk Cousins should have had two interceptions, but they, they weren't caught, right? When it's another team, No problem, none whatsoever, chalking a result up to luck or noise or variance. When it's our own team, we like to assign all the credit to our team and not chalk it up to luck at all. It's a very interesting thing to talk about. The Badgers are 14-1 and this season in games decided by six points or less, and they do have a lot of those traits that are necessary to win close games. The Badgers have been playing and winning in close games really all the way back to Tony Bennett and Bo Ryan and now Greg Gard. That's just kind of their play style. But they also have a couple of guys you can trust late in games, in the clutch. Brad Davis and Chucky Hepburn nails from the free throw line. Johnny Davis can get you a shot and close you a game, right? They don't turn the ball over. They play really tough defense. Those traits will get you wins in close games. But to win 14 out of 15 games decided by six points or less, you need a little bit of luck too. And that's reflected in some of the computer rankings. If you look at the Ken Palm, probably be a little confused as to how far down the Badgers are. I think they were 27th as of Sunday when I last checked. Well, that doesn't make sense, right? They've only lost a handful of games. They're on their way to maybe winning a Big Ten title. Well, depends on who you ask. Depends on which factors you consider. Depends on which algorithm is spitting out the ranking, right? Now, the Bucks, on the other hand, before last night had lost back-to-back games by three points, both to Eastern Conference rivals, the Sixers going into the All-Star break and the Nets coming out of the All-Star break on Saturday. More importantly than two losses, recently they've picked up some bad habits, right? And that's what we talked about yesterday. Showing some bad traits, things they got to clean up, things they got to get nailed down as we get closer to the playoffs. Remember, the second, quote-unquote, half of the season after the All-Star break is a lot shorter than the first. You come out of the all-star break and you think, all right, half number two, here we go. Oh, it's the playoffs. Happens really, really quickly. Now, the Bucs got a big win last night. They beat the Hornets, right? But that's just beginning what's going to be a really tough week. They have Miami, then they have Chicago on Friday, and then they have Phoenix, a big nationally televised matinee game at home this weekend. So they're embarking on a stretch of games that I'm not saying they need to win them all, 
I don't think fans are expecting them to beat the Heat and the Bulls and the Suns, but you'd really like to play some good basketball this week, right? This is a week you'd really like to get your house in order and play some good games and show that, yes, we are a contender, and yes, we are getting ready for the postseason, and we are going to be ready to contend and defend this title here in a few weeks when the playoffs start. Well, they played Charlotte last night, and the Hornets are two games under 500, and they're certainly not the Heat or the Bulls or the Suns. And the Bucks weren't going to fix every problem last night. Just because they beat the Hornets by 24, which they did, doesn't mean they fixed all their problems, but it's a good start. It's a great start. So I want to talk about last night's game. They won 130-106. They look dominant at home in a way that I haven't seen in a while. The last time I think the Bucks looked really dominant was that game in January where they beat the tar out of the Nets. Now, there might be a game that I'm forgetting about. Maybe they blew out the Blazers or the Clippers, but I'm talking about good contending teams or a really decisive win. Last night was a breath of fresh air. We haven't seen the Bucks play like that a lot. Now, I don't want to obsess over the result. I don't want to obsess over the final score. They won by 24 points. I want to talk about the process. I want to talk about the ingredients. I want to pop open the hood and take a closer look at this game. Did this game just give the Bucks a nice feel-good win, or did it actually give us some evidence that maybe they're on their way to solving some of these issues that have popped up lately? Third quarter. That's been an issue. It's been an issue since December. Bobby Portis said that the other day. This is something we talked about yesterday. The Bucks last night won the third quarter by nine points, and they scored 32 points in the third quarter. That would have been their highest scoring quarter of last night if they didn't go off and score 44 in the second quarter, which was the quarter where the Bucks really won the game. And that's what James Borrego said, Hornets coach, after the game last night. They won it in the second quarter. Now, they didn't come out and give it away in the third, and that's process. That's progress, excuse me, because they've been giving away games in the third quarter. So third quarter last night, check. Turnovers. Now, the Bucs had 13 turnovers last night. The Hornets only had nine. But the points off of turnovers was 12 to 5 in favor of Milwaukee. Now, I could be reading that wrong. But that number tells me that the Bucs committed turnovers, but they weren't backbreakers. They weren't terrible, uh, spaced out, free point turnovers. Right, They were turnovers of aggression. Right, They weren't dribbling the ball off their foot in the backcourt. They weren't passing the ball to nobody. Right, They were turnovers that didn't kill them. That's good. All right, that's progress. What about free throws? The Bucks hit 32 of 37. Charlotte hit 20 of 32. I- honestly, forget how many they made. Just getting to the line 37 times is a great sign. Getting to the free throw line is a great sign that a team is playing hard, physical basketball and they're locked in because if a team is mailing it in they're not really putting a good amount of effort forward or they're kind of playing a little lazy well they're just going to shoot jumpers they're not going to go to the rack the bucks made a conceded effort last night to get to the rack and get buckets in the paint or get fouled trying so it's fantastic sign that they shot 37 free throws it's an even better sign that they made 32 of them right everything everything the bucks did well last night stemmed from aggression and decisiveness. They were the better team last night, as they are in almost every game that they play, and they played like it. They attacked. Every pass they made was decisive and aggressive. There was no indecision. There was no, ah, where's the ball supposed to go? Should I go here? Should No, get after it. Go out there, and if you're going to make a mistake, make a mistake of aggression. And the turnovers, which they had 13, didn't really bite them. The Hornets only had five points off turnovers last night, which means when the Bucks were giving the ball away, 
it weren't terrible turnovers. They were turnovers of aggression, which you'll live with, right? Because that being aggressive and attacking is how you're going to get all these other positives. Turnovers kind of become secondary at that point. They came out of halftime, pounded them in the third quarter. They committed some turnovers, but they were aggressive turnovers, and they hit their free throws. I love that the Bucks' best player is also their hardest worker, and not every team has this luxury because with Giannis, any change that the Bucks need to make, any adjustment, any improvement that this team needs to undergo, Giannis is going to lead the charge, right? Giannis is, what's the expression, be the change you want to see in the world? That's Giannis. If the Bucks aren't shooting well from the free throw line, then Giannis is going to be first in line to shoot better from the free throw line. And oh yeah, Giannis is 14 of 14 last night, right? If the team needs to cut down on their turnovers, Giannis is going to be first in line to make sure that he's taking care of the ball. Right? And if the Bucs need to be better in the third quarter, then Giannis is going to get in the film room. He's going to get in the gym and specifically attack the things that he needs to do better out of halftime so his team can do better in the third quarter. The Bucs have this great luxury of their best player being their hardest worker. So when they have issues, Giannis will be first in line to help solve the issues. I don't want to get preachy here, but I was at church on Sunday, Catholic, and the gospel, obviously, it's a story you've probably heard before. I don't remember which book it was from but it's the story that tells you remove the log out of your own eye before plucking the splinter out of your brother's eye right so take care of your house first right and then you can help others then you can can look elsewhere that's Giannis right oh the team's not hitting their free throws okay well Giannis will start hitting his free throws and then amazing everything else kind of falls in line last night Giannis goes 14 of 14 and wouldn't you know it Drew Holiday also hit all of his free throws Chris Middleton also hit all of his free throws. Bobby Portis hit all of his free throws. They didn't have a starter miss a free throw last night. Like to think that starts with Giannis. Turnover numbers were lower. That starts with Giannis. Energy and effort in the third quarter. That started with Giannis from the jump, but eventually his team came around. The whole Bucks team was a little sleepy in the first quarter. Giannis was not. Giannis was out to kill a guy. I, I, I think he's going to put Plumlee in a coffin. And eventually the rest of the team followed suit. Giannis is the change that the Bucks need always. And that's the luxury of your best player being your hardest worker. Everything the Bucks did well last night stems from aggression and decisiveness. And Giannis is right at the forefront of that. They also fired it up defensively last night. I don't know if you've noticed this, Bucks fans, but the Bucks defense has been lacking a little bit. Before yesterday's game, so as of Sunday when I checked, they were 24th in defensive rating. That's pretty damning for a team that has Giannis who's a defensive player of the year, and Drew Holiday, who's maybe the best defensive point guard in the league, and Chris Middleton, who's long and who can defend, right? They have all the ingredients of being a great defensive team, and they're near the bottom of the league. Well, did you see what they did last night? Javon Carter picking up LaMelo Ball full court. Drew Holiday picking up point guards full court. They're forcing the Hornets last night to start offensive sets with 18 seconds left on the shot clock rather than 21. Every second on the shot clock that ticks away is worth about one point per 100 possessions in offensive rating. So if you can force a team to get into their offensive sets with a little bit of a delay, force them to pass more, dribble more, work harder, look for shots longer, then the offensive rating and efficiency is going to go down, 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 down as the clock ticks away. That was another great sign last night. Now, is everything fixed? No, absolutely not. And if the Bucks would have lost by 40 last night, not everything would be a failure, and and a lost cause. This is what I said yesterday. The regular season is a really long practice period. There's a lot of time for the Bucks to adjust things, 
and tweak things and fix things. And with Giannis at the helm, I believe that they can and they will. They're closer to the play-in right now than they are to the one seed. I'm choosing not to worry about that and see how this plays out. Bucks are a really good team. They have all the pieces. They have the experience. They have the championship medal. It's about being consistent and playing at a high level with high energy and high effort all the time. Last night was a great step in the right direction. It's a step that wasn't a given. We didn't know for sure that they were going to come out and win by 25 points, but they did, and it's a great step in the right direction. Now time to take another step against Chicago and another on Saturday and Sunday against the Suns. So we'll see if that happens. I want to talk Badgers basketball. They're playing for a Big Ten title tonight. Let's do that. We'll be back in three minutes here on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Twitter, at Wisco Grant. The talk and text line, which I don't think I read to start the show. I apologize. Hit me up. 608-796-2558. Brett and Eau Claire, thank you for the correction. Dick Bennett, not Tony Bennett. Thank you for that. He says, I was surprised uh, to hear that you'd rather have Wisconsin win tonight versus have Rodgers back. That's what I said on Ebo's show this morning. Yeah, they asked me if I could guarantee one thing. Wisconsin winning a Big Ten title tonight or Aaron Rodgers coming back. I don't need to guarantee Aaron Rodgers coming back. He is going to come back. He's just being a giant ass about it. So I'm not worried about that. I think the Badgers are going to win too. Might as well lock it down. Pete in Chippewa says, Bucks were up by 40 against the Warriors not too long ago. Yeah, isn't that funny, Pete? People forget. Can I, before we move into the Badgers, can I just say something... And I'm going to run the risk of sounding like a know-it-all jerk here. But I, I think this needs to be said. Most people don't watch Bucks games during football season. College football, NFL, there's too much going on. A lot of people are barely watching right now because of college basketball and March Madness. A lot of people consume the NBA versus what they hear on sports TV and sports radio. And the only thing that anybody ever says about the Bucks on sports radio is, wow, they're really good. Giannis is going to win the MVP. Or if they have a rough patch, people are like, how concerned are you about the Bucks? Call me and tell me. That's the extent of most Bucks talk because nobody's watching these games. Nobody's actually looking for specific things. And if you're not looking for specific things, then you might as well just watch the box score and you might just follow the seating and really start watching the playoffs. I think that's the problem with the NBA. Yeah, the Bucks were up by 40 against the Warriors a couple weeks ago. You're absolutely right. And we talked about it and celebrated, and then we moved on. And you know what? They had a rough week or so into the All-Star break, and then they had a tough loss to the Nets coming out. But if they play good for a week and a half, then we're on. We're moving on. We're on to something else. So, yeah, I think people get a little bit too bogged down. And I don't really know if we know how to handle talking about and covering the NBA. Derek says, hey, Grant, how about we put all of the owners on the private planes that the Russian oligarchs are running scared on and play some baseball? There's never enough money for these dying old men. Yeah, I I was on Twitter over the commercial break, and someone posted a screenshot of Manfred's press conference, and he's smiling. And the caption is, why is he smiling? Rob Manfred's smiling because he won. The owners don't want to play in March or in April. They'd probably get rid of May. The owner's dream is that they play a 60-game season, and that's it. And they barely have to pay anyone. Half of the half of the owners in the league don't care about winning. They're just cashing a check, despite it being not even as profitable as the stock market. Remember that, Jem? 
God, so stupid. It's so stupid. And we're going to talk more about baseball in the second half of the show. But as I said, to kind of lead the show off, it's going to come up throughout. Like as people call to talk about the Badgers or talk about the Bucks or the Packers, they're also going to throw in a little jab like, hey, <laughs> I think Rogers coming back. Also, screw baseball. What a bunch of idiots. Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, and I think we're going to get a lot of calls and texts like that today. Maybe they're not calling or texting in to talk about baseball, but baseball is going to catch a lot of strays. They're not going to catch strays. Baseball is just going to catch the hate that baseball deserves today. I want to talk a little bit about the Badgers. They're playing for Big Ten title tonight. I got some things to say about the Packers as well, and I'd love to hear from you, like Vagabond John, who's calling us now. John, what's going on today? Welcome. How's it going? I hope everyone's uh, enjoying this beautiful March 1st sunshine across the state. Oh, it was beautiful. I walked out to my car twice today just to get some fresh air. I love it. Yeah, it's great. I drove uh, another one of those days where I started from Madison, went to La Crosse, and now I'm almost to Green Bay, so... Uh, traverse the whole state. Greetings to all of you that are listening. But hey, real quick on that NBA, I was kind of having this argument at a bar the other night. Uh, you know, we got an NBA team that's like 12 games under 500 in Portland mm-hmm. uh, that is currently slated to make the playoffs. Yeah. So if you're wondering why people don't give any cahoots about the NBA, and I know, you know, this is one of the, the, the things people worry about with like college football. Oh, we don't want to dilute the regular season. Well, the NBA is kind of what you get when a season's fully diluted. Yeah. What people really like to consume, and you'll hear you'll hear uh, Mr. Cuban talk about this pretty frequently. Is they just love the highlights. Nobody's really like how often do people sit down and watch a full NBA game? I know for myself, I'm a pretty avid sports fan, but I just don't. Yeah. So it's uh, it's really all we have to talk about is highlights, and then if a team's struggling, we can kind of talk about that too. But uh, other than that, there's not really because the games don't mean anything, you know. You can, be 10 games under 500, but as long as you're healthy for the playoffs, you'll have a good shot at it. Yeah, and I and I think I think a lot of people don't watch games and then they get on their radio show or their TV show and then the topic then becomes, well, are you concerned about the Bucks?" It's like, okay, well, why would you be concerned, right? Because as you said, they could be the eighth seed and still have a great chance at winning some playoff series, right? We need to look for more specific things and I, I think that's what a lot of people miss out on. And I, I get it. I'm not a huge college football guy. I'd rather watch NBA, but I know a lot of people wouldn't, and that's fine. Yeah, yeah. On that note, I think people across the state, they hear me call it. They know I'm, I'm ready for that 12-team playoff. But we're, we're in basketball season. We're in basketball mode. We have a heck of a game tonight. I'm sure you saw the uh, the barstool, barstool mob is going to be taking up the whole front row of the student section. Yeah. On one hand, I was kind of like, well, you can't take those seats away from students. On the other hand, you know, as a, I was a former cheerleader for Wisconsin, and there's no better cheerleader for uh, Wisconsin basketball than Mr. Big Cat himself. So yeah. that is going to be electric. I was going to try to stay in town and get tickets for like 400 bucks a piece right now, so couldn't swing that, but uh, it's going to be a heck of a night in Madison. I'm really excited about it. I'm really amped. I'm glad that the game's not until 8, selfishly, because now I have time after work to kind of – get my work done, get home, make a little dinner, and then plop down on the couch just in time for it to start. Six o'clock start time's tough because I'm here at work, and then i got to rush home to catch the game. I- I'm glad that we have enough time to settle in and everyone has time to get into the game, and I- I'm with you. I think the atmosphere is just going to be electric tonight. And not only that, Grant, I mean, I've been to quite a few games this year, and a lot of the narrative around Wisconsin football or Wisconsin basketball games this year is it is uh, an absolute morgue in that place at times. But when you get that 8 p.m. start time, and I don't care that it's a Tuesday night, 
you have these guys getting off of uh, off of the work at five o'clock. They're headed right down yeah. to the nitty gritty or to Wando's or to the Red Shed. They have about two hours to get what they need to get done done, and they, they'll be ready to go. They're going to be loud. It's also uh, I don't know the the impact this will have, but it's the first day in Dane County where the mask mandate is lifted. So uh, you won't have you know for all those people who were upset about that, you know they'll be they'll be able to come down and enjoy the game as well. But, yeah, I think overall it's going to be crazy. I know throughout the season I've called in and kind of gauged what are people's expectations. Yeah. I think being in this place here is remarkable. I think uh, having Og Hall, one of the student dorms, uh, having a massive sign saying, you know, fire Greg Gard uh, two years ago almost to the day is uh, is just, just that guy's trajectory where he has his program potential national coach of the year candidate and the fire we've seen from him recently i could not be happier as a, as a Wisconsin sports fan and uh i i just can't wait but anyways i'll stop rambling and i'll let you guys get to it i appreciate it thank you yeah thanks john have a good night and enjoy the game absolutely i love the idea students getting done with class people getting done with work getting down around the stadium down around the Kohl center and just getting tuned up you got two or three hours after work or after class to get tuned up, and then you go in there. That place is going to be a bam box tonight. And I can't wait to watch. Look at me. I'm getting amped about college basketball. I never get amped about college basketball. I'm an NBA guy. But I think this Badgers team is why people love college basketball. Teams like this, right? Teams that came into the season, very low expectations, right? and they have just surprised everyone week after week after week. You don't see that in the NBA. You don't see a team that everyone thinks is terrible all of the sudden at the top of the conference. Like the Grizzlies, I, I get people, the Grizzlies have surprised people, but it's not like we thought the Grizzlies were terrible. Grizzlies made the play-in last year. Now they jumped a couple playoff spots. That's about as big of a surprise as you'll get in the NBA. College basketball is full of stories like this. And this Badgers team and teams like this Badgers team, I think a big reason why people are drawn to college basketball in a way that maybe they're not drawn to the NBA. Let's take a break. I want to keep talking about the Badgers. And I have some Bucks examples that I actually want to use to talk about the Badgers. I know. We're weaving these two teams together. It's it's great. We'll do this more coming up next. Give me a text. Give me a call. We can keep chatting. I promise. Wisco Sports Show back in a couple minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Twitter at Wisco Grant. Talking text line. Get at me. 608-796-2558. Today is a weird combination of things. We got Badgers playing for a Big Ten title tonight. The Bucks are just doing Bucks things. They're making their way through their season. Got a big, really solid win. A solid step in the right direction type of win last night over Charlotte. They got Chicago, Miami, Phoenix, all in the next five, six days now. So we'll continue to follow them. And then you have baseball throwing us a curveball. <laughs> uh, last night, we thought that maybe they were going to get a deal done. They went to like after midnight. And then, of course, they didn't start negotiating until like noon today. Not getting out of bed until 10, not showing up to work until after lunch because like they work in radio. I'm the only one that gets to show up to work that late. Not you. 
And then at the very final minute, baseball basically came out and said, hey, uh, we gave the players our last offer. I guess they don't want it, so we're not having baseball right now. Really nice stuff, guys. And then Rob Manfred went on, gave an address at 4 o'clock and was beaming from ear to ear, which is just horrendous optics. Uh, So a guy who's in charge of something really important to us all, just kind of doing a bad job and not really seeming like he's in control of anything. Oh, on somewhat... Uh, similar note, Joe Biden's State of the Union is tonight. That's great. We have that to look forward to. God, don't remind me. God, I hate, I hate everything. I hate absolutely everything. Aaron Rodgers just won't come out and say what we all want him to say, which is, uh, I'm coming back. Of course I am. Why would I not? <sighs> a couple of texts. Rock and Rick. Oh, he has a rant. Uh, what is this on? It's on the Packers. Can I save this for like 10 minutes, Rick? I want to do a couple Packers things right before 5 o'clock. I want to save this. Um, <laughs> Brett asked me if I'm feeling well. No. No, I'm not. Uh, this is all very bit upsetting today. Thank you for the text. You can tweet me as well, at Wisco Grant. Talk a little bit about the Bucks, and we can bring the Badgers into this as well. The idea of close games and what it tells us about our teams, right? Especially with the Badgers. I think last season was really, really good experience for this Badgers team. Even if a lot of the guys aren't around, like lost Reavers, lost Aleem Ford, um, who's the other one? Uh, They lost a lot of seniors last year. Really only remaining is Tyler Wall. We still have Brad Davison. We still have Johnny Davis. But I was looking at some games from last year, especially games against Purdue and Illinois and Iowa and teams that are better than them. Uh, And I was looking at some of these results, and I found an interesting trend, a trend that completely reversed this season. So I want to talk about that first. Let's talk to Larry in northern Wisconsin. Larry, good afternoon. Welcome to the show. Hey, do you remember me, Broken Arrow Bar? Oh, of course. Absolutely. In the Northwoods. I think, what are you, in Lake Holcomb? Is that where you are? I was trying to figure it out last time yeah, you called. Yeah, a little bit north of Lake Holcomb. Pert near. But today yeah. we're all going to travel down to a bar called Boondocks to watch the uh, the the game tonight. Mm. Big, big badger party in Bo- at Boondocks. But anyway, yeah. Uh, Badgers, man, they're going to do it. You watch. They're going to do it. Kind of feels These that way. These guys are amazing. They are so evenly evenly matched on their team. If one guy can't do it, they pass it to the next guy. And there's there's no selfishness on this team. They are whoever is hot will give them the ball. Does tonight feel kind of inevitable? Does it just does it kind of feel like like we're penciling in this win? I, I just feel like this is going to be their night at home. Everyone's going to be wearing white. I, I just feel like this is just going to happen for yeah. them tonight. I am uh, man, man. I got a buddy out in Vegas, and I just put some bucks down on the Badgers Ooh. win or lose. Man, it's ex- this is exciting. This is real. I I think it's exciting anyhow because I don't feel that it's like the. I don't feel like it's like the NBA. I feel sometimes the NBA is is almost controlled by sports betting. I really do. Okay. I say it, but I really do. Some of the things that happen is just amazing. When when a professional team is up 24 points with halfway through the third quarter and they lose the game by 13, you know, that's crazy. That's crazy stuff. It is. I, and, I just and don't believe that. Larry, isn't it fun when you have a team that has low expectations that performs really well rather than a team with sky-high yeah. expectations that doesn't – make it happen this is so much better can i i gotta say one thing yeah i gotta say one thing 
Hey, you boys that went to Valparaiso over in Indiana, are you guys watching this game tonight? Yeah, right. And you know who I'm talking about, yeah, right? I do. I do. You know? I do. My yeah, God. yeah. They de- they decided to exit exit Wisconsin and go to Indiana. Well, hey, boys, now you're sitting on the bench watching. Well, and the worst part is they got to live just- in Indiana. That might be the worst part of it all. Yeah, the Flatlanders, yeah, yeah, that's for sure. But but honestly, this is this game is there. Hey, you know what we did up at 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 the bar because I was talking about that. There's a loop. We have a loop, okay. and the loop shows Howard reaching over and slapping <laughs> our assistant coach's face, and we go, "This is how you hit a man." This is, is this on loop Underneath on a TV the loop. at the bar. <laughs> Yeah, un- underneath the loop, it says, this is how you hit a man. Really? And it keeps looping over him, reaching over, slap, and then it reaching over, slap. And we laugh. People walk in that bar, and they bust out laughing, man. They, they roll on the foot. They go, oh, my God, that's the funniest thing ever. Yeah. Man, I need to go to Lake Holcomb. <laughs> hey, Damn, this Larry. game is to go. And you want to know something? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers, make your make your mind up or go. Yeah, uh, people are the whole state is tired of it. Yeah, they, they really are. He, he's losing his integrity of what he did have. Yeah, and we're he talking about did. that in a few minutes, Larry. I got to let you go because I got to say some things about the Badgers. Thanks, go, for man. Go, go, Badgers. Go, Badgers. Thanks, Larry. And enjoy. Where did he say they're watching? The boon, the Boondocks. I, I love that he updates me on that. You want to know where we're watching tonight? <laughs> sure. Yeah, absolutely I do. Please tell me. I think this Badgers team is so good in close games for all the reasons that we've talked about. And we've seen them just battle their way through Big Ten play. And they're coming out on top on all these tough games. And I bet a lot of these teams that the Badgers have beaten have looked back and thought, man, we we should have won that game against Wisconsin. We had it. If only we didn't let Johnny Davis score 40 Right, if only we we didn't melt down in the final couple of minutes. If only we were able to take care of business at home, right? And, and the Badgers are stealing all of these games away. A couple of Badgers games from last season that I want to direct your attention to. There's eight of them. I went back and looked through the schedule, and I want to I want to remind you of these games. Okay, January twenty third, lost at home to Ohio State, seventy four sixty two. February sixth, lost at number twelve Illinois, seventy four sixty nine. February 14th, lost at home to number three, Michigan, 67-59. February 18th, lost at home to number 11, Iowa, 77-62. February 27th, lost at home to number five, Illinois, 74-69. Same score as the first game. March 2nd, lost at 23, Purdue, 73-69. March 7th, lost at number five, Iowa, 77-73. And March 12th, lost at home to number five, Iowa, 62-57. All of those games scream the Badgers aren't that good. Every one of those games reminds you the Badgers are fine, but they're not good. The Badgers are fine. They're decent, but they're not great. The Badgers are about midway in the Big Ten, but they don't belong with the likes of Ohio State, Illinois, Michigan, Iowa, Purdue. They weren't getting blown out in these games, and they weren't losing by one or two on a coin flip. They were consistently losing by five, six, seven points. Almost to rub it in your face. Hey, you're you're close-ish, but you're not Illinois, you're not Purdue, you're not Iowa, you're not Ohio State. Most of these losses 
five to 10 points. It's just a stubborn reminder. Last year's Badger team wasn't ready. They weren't good. Now, what I've been thinking about today, how did those experiences last year help shape the team this year? I was looking at the box score from the Illinois game. Tyler Wall played 24 minutes in this Illinois game last year. They lost by five. Davison played 28. Johnny Davis played 28 minutes off the bench. People act like Greg Gard had him buried last year. No, Johnny Davis played plenty last year. He just wasn't the player he is now. It's not the fault of Greg Gard. It's not his fault. Johnny Davis got better. Most improved player in college basketball this year. That's what happened. It's not like Greg Gard finally discovered he had him on his roster. So Wall remains. Davison remains. Johnny Davis remains. Greg Gard remains. What did Greg Gard learn last year about managing late game situations and coming out on top rather than coming out just short. What did Johnny Davis learn? Johnny Davis probably learned a lot, right? All of those losses last year, as if the rest of the Big Ten was rubbing it in the Badgers' face. Hey, you almost got it, but you're not quite there, right? All of those games served as a reminder of what was necessary, what you need to get better at, how you need to get tougher, how Greg Gard needs to be sharper, Better better situational awareness, better situational decision-making, how to be better at the free-throw line, how to be better defensively in, in, in you know late minutes, how to handle the crowd on the road. As if all of these losses last year served to tell the Badgers, this is what you need to do to compete in this conference. And I thought of today, throwback, I thought of the movie Boiler Room, when Ben Affleck is speaking to all of these young brokers that are coming in, and he lines it up. He lays it out and he says, hey, I own this car. I have a stupid big house on this river. I have all the toys you could think of. I have everything that you could dream of. I am rich and most of all, I am liquid. I am a king. Money makes me happy. And at the very end of the speech, he goes, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. And I save that line because I love it. So now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. All season long in 2020, 2021. Illinois beat him. Purdue beat him. Ohio State beat him. Iowa beat him twice. All of these upper echelon Big Ten teams beat the Badgers, almost reminding them, hey, you're okay, but you're, you're not us. Right? Now, you could be us. I'm sure that's your goal. But you need to be a lot better at this, 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 this. You know what's possible. Now you need to do what's required. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. Amazing movie. Awesome speech. And I know that only Johnny Davis and Tyler Wall and Brad Davison are still around. Chucky Hepburn is new and Stephen Crowell is new. But the core of this team, Davison, Davis, Wall, add in Chucky Hepburn, it seems as though that group of players is everything that last year's players were not. Reavers and Ford and Trice, who I almost forget about. This year they did what was required. And they have a chance to close it out and grab sole possession of a Big Ten title, give themselves a chance at a sole title of the Big Ten. I guess they could lose tonight or win tonight and then lose to uh, Nebraska and things would get weird, but tonight's basically the night to really solidify everything they've done this year. Let's take a break. A couple of Packers things I want to get off my chest. Brian Gutekind spoke of the uh, the Combine today. We'll talk about that coming up next and a lot more Badgers coming up, a little bit more Bucks, and we're going to talk about baseball with David Gasper in the second half of the show. So a lot still coming up on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Join Mark Patrick Seminars. Stop smoking without cravings, irritability, weight gain, or your money back. Only $49.99. Guaranteed. 
Also, lose the weight. Let Mark Patrick Hypnosis destroy cravings. Weight Loss Seminar, Monday, March 14th at the Norwood Inn and Suites Hotel in La Crosse. Former Days in French Island. Registration at 5, Seminar 5.30 to 7.30. Stop Smoking Seminar, Registration 7.30, Seminar at 8. You love golf. You love saving money. You're going to love this. The Tri-State Golf Card. It's one card that gets you 12 rounds of golf at six area courses in Iowa, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. That card is only $69, and you can get it at CheapGolfCard.com. Like golf season, it won't be around for long. Get yours before it disappears like a ball in the drink. 12 rounds, six different courses, and money in your pocket for new clubs or maybe a pallet of balls. Get your Tri-State Golf Card at CheapGolfCard.com. In sports, lots of things are memorable. Few things, however, turn into outright classics. WKTY is reliving some of the most memorable and downright classic moments in sports history with a weekly feature, the WKTY Classic Sports Moment, online at WKTYsports.com. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks, and other classic sports moments can be found each and every week with video and audio online at WKTYsports.com. What's all the buzz about nasal irrigation and navage, navage, navage? Here's the science. Airborne germs invade through your nose. When your nose gets clogged, it's less effective and germs multiply. Eventually, your immune system can get overwhelmed and you get sick. Navage pulls out the bad stuff so you can breathe better, sleep deeper, snore less, and feel healthier. At Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid, Target, Bed Bath, and Walmart. Or go to navage.com for a free gift with purchase. Navage, N-A-V-A-G-E. Midwest Family Entertainment. We can't wait to meet you this Sunday at Wedding World. Stop by our booth so we can talk about services for your big day. Tell us your vision and we'll make it happen. Music for your ceremony, cocktail and dinner, dance party, uplighting our digital photo booth, custom signage, and so many other options. Reserve general admission or VIP tickets now at WeddingWorldLacrosse.com and we'll see you Sunday at the Lacrosse Center for Wedding World with Midwest Family Entertainment. It's the coolest thing you'll do all year. Brave the frigid Mississippi waters for the annual Polar Plunge at its new location on Black River Beach, Saturday, March 5th. Watch them serve up some fun at the Super Plunge and Cool Schools Plunge, then get ready to make a splash. Plunge solo as a group or take the easy way out and be too chicken to plunge. Get your plunge on at plungewi.org. Be freezing for a reason and support Special Olympics for Polar Plunge with Midwest Family Lacrosse. Where are the fish biting? Find out with me, Kevin Millard, host of WKTY Outdoors, Saturday mornings at 8 on WKTY, 96.7 FM, 580 AM. Wisco Sports Show, my name is Grant Bills. Twitter at Wisco Grant. We're going to get back into the Badgers. I, I want today to be mostly about the Badgers. Today is their day. Tonight is hopefully going to be their night. It's really been their season. It's been a treat to watch this team. We've probably seen better Badgers teams, at least in 14 and 15, and you could argue about other years. We've seen better Badger teams. I don't know if I've seen a Badgers team this fun before. They play with the confidence. I'm not really sure where it came from to start the year. They play with a belief. I don't I don't know if it's a well-founded belief. I've called this team a little bit delusional at times. Zach Heilprin, our buddy, didn't like that. 
thought that was disrespectful, and I, I can see why. There's something really fun about an underdog team that punches way above their weight class. There's something really fun about that, and it's been a pleasure to watch that team and watch this team. We've had them pegged basically correctly, I think, since December. We've had them figured out. What we thought about this team in December was correct. Okay, so this team is really confident. Johnny Davis is really good. Chucky Hepburn's going to be really good. And we've just been proven more right about everything we originally thought. Now, for the last couple minutes here of the hour, I wanted to talk about Brian Gutekunst. And conveniently, I got a text from our friend Mike Clements, who's at the Combine. He says, hey, can I call in? I can give you a quick recap. Mike, this is perfect. Your timing is impeccable. What's going on? Um, I asked Brian Gutekunst because a lot of listeners were asking about this after the last time we talked. You get into training camp, you know, and top edge rusher has got some sort of a back problem. He's on the PUP. He plays a little bit in the same game. They're having trouble trying to figure out what to do with him in September and October. Finally, you decide that then you have to have back surgery. He comes back for a few snaps in the playoffs, but, you know, it's a season loss. Did the player screw up? Should You know, is it something he should have attended to yeah. back in May and June with surgery or what? Gutekinds is satisfied with the way it played out. He was sorry that missed the season. But in two two times now, behind closed doors with the Packers GM, and then today in front of the national media, it was a lukewarm response as to whether or not either A, they can afford to bring that back Zadarius Smith, or the fact that Rashawn Gary has stepped up along with Preston Smith and he even mentioned Jonathan Garvin today. Mm. Like, they may be ready to move on unless... So Darius takes a huge cut or a restructure to come back for this season in Green Bay. No one's really asked or talked about Zedarius Smith. It's almost we're treating it as a foregone conclusion that he's gone. So I'm glad that you brought that up with Goody today. Does it seem like everything is secondary to the Aaron Rodgers thing? Like nothing can happen before the Rodgers domino falls? I know Goody said that him and Adams are separate. These are separate things. But I feel like we got to know what's up with Rodgers before we can do anything else, right? But out of Goody's mouth, you know, as recent as a week ago, is Mm -hmm. when you're building your roster, it starts with the quarterback. Yeah. So before they can do any of these other dominoes, it's got to be the quarterback. And, you know, I understand that because if this comes down to retirement or possible trade, well, then that completely changes the landscape of what you have with your team and, and can do with it. The other thing, though, that Brian has done, again, behind closed doors with some the media guys, and even in public today, just standing around talking briefly. You know, he, you know, every team from the Jacksonville Jaguars on up, Grant says that, you know, they're in it for the Super Bowl this year. But realistically, they think that, you know, they are a game or two away from the Super Bowl and that Rodgers makes that difference. Plus, Jordan Love's not ready. And no. it's just because of the pandemic and the other situations. He has not had enough time. You know, Aaron Rodgers had 16 preseason games before he became the starter after Brett. He had plenty of time. And Jordan needs that time as well. And he's just not ready. You know, they're not, the Packers aren't ready to go, you know, 6 and 11. You know, they're a team that wants to win at least 12 games a year and sell sponsorships to the stadium and lots of goodies, you know, in the pro shop and, and, you know, always be in the hunt. Yeah. No, I, I get that. I I think Rogers is coming back. I, I just I guess I don't know why we have to wait. Is that something that frustrates you? I think he's ninety percent coming back. Why doesn't he just 
Can you say it, please, so we can move on with our lives? <laughs> well, listen, I mean, as much as I have respected Aaron, and, and if somebody asked me about a year ago about some of these things, I said, you know what? I've never caught the guy, me, personally, in yeah. a lie. And that was before training camp, you know, and the the whole uh, immunization thing. But you know, just to look at what he's done with his life the last four or five years, he's dated two actresses and a very famous race car driver. He's mm-hmm. moved in to a $28 million house on Malibu that was once owned by David Spade. He's L.A. He's trending. I mean, yeah. he does, he's, he's, in this, he's got the same Hollywood playbook that Jen and Ben Affleck have, okay? <laughs> they get in the news with transactions and waiting and suspense, and he's trending, and he's enjoying it. But the reality is... A 38-year-old quarterback has to work that much harder to get ready for July 27th in training camp. And I asked Goody this, and he recognized that. You know, part of this is I don't feel like going to work. Yeah. You know, my body's not back. I don't want to do it again. And and you ha- you have to mentally and physically feel ready before you commit because once you commit, then, you know, the clock starts sticking in your body and you're yeah. back in as a football player. All right, Mike, I got to go. Enjoy the combine. Can we connect again at some point this week? I'll call you guys back up Thursday after we talk to LaFleur, okay? Awesome. Thanks, Mike. Have a good one. Thanks, Grant. Yep, Mike Clements at the combine. We'll talk more throughout the week. Let's take a break. More coming up next. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Appreciate you being here. We've talked a lot of Badgers, and I don't want to lose the Badgers. They are playing for Big Ten title tonight. I wish tonight's show could be mostly about them. Although, I'm not totally upset that we have to talk about a baseball lockout because that means I have a chance to talk to our good friend David Gasper reviewing the brew. Gasper, uh, how are you personally? And then, obviously, there's the baseball side of this. Are, Are you angry today? I feel angry today, and I think it's just because of baseball because I was having a great day until all this went to hell. Yeah, well, I was having a great day, too. You know, I, I was feeling good. You know, there, there were reports of momentum last night. Uh, I stayed up till one thirty. you know, seeing the reports until those guys <laughs> went home uh, for the night. You know, feeling good about it coming into the day. It's like, okay, we're, we're going to have baseball coming back. It's going to be great. Uh, and then that went away rather quickly uh, as things kind of got going this morning. And it resulted in uh, the lockout continuing and canceling opening day in the, in the first week of the season. And uh, it's bad. It's bad. I've I've certainly been better. Uh, I've had better <laughs> days. Um, but uh, yeah, it is just a, a whole bunch of of sadness coming down. Uh, I think I tweeted earlier. If anyone needs me, I'll be laying down at the runway at Mitchell International. Yep. Um, so that's that's kind of where I am right now. I'm gonna go ponder things on top of the Cast Street Bridge and maybe wait for a an especially aggressive looking barge to maybe go underneath. So when I jump in, I don't want to land on the ice. That's, that's, that's too easy. I want to land on something more painful. Here's my first question for you. Um, I exist in my own little bubble. I, I, I see our morning show host Dave sometimes. And I talked to Ebo this morning, but mostly like I prep for my show. I talk by myself. I, I don't have people to bounce things off of. So you tell me, maybe I got this wrong. Was I a dumb, dumb, stupid idiot for thinking that there was going to be a deal last night or today? Was I naive? Because I actually thought there was going to be. Was I an idiot for thinking that? No, I don't think necessarily. I mean, there were a lot of reports of momentum. And, um, you know, I I think there was always kind of 
hope for, I mean, with a lot of us, because as we've kind of been talking about throughout this whole thing, baseball is motivated by deadlines. And it's like, okay, yesterday was a deadline and, you know, extending it to today. It's like, this is it. Now they're finally moving. They're doing it at the 11th hour, just like my literature review in college. Yeah. Um, But, (laughs) you know, pull an all nighter, do it together and maybe get it done. But uh, it appears they weren't able to. Uh, They were still very far apart on a lot of things. And uh, I think everyone just kind of assumed when push came to shove, they would be able to compromise. They'll be able to reach a deal and and find some common ground, but uh, they simply weren't able to. And, and the owners just kind of got fed up. They said that they were willing to lose the first month of games. Um, and the players tried to call their bluff and uh, the owners apparently weren't bluffing. They're willing to lose games. So uh, it's really going to be uh, tough for MLB to come back from this from a PR perspective, because Everyone is upset right now, especially at Rob Manfred. Yes. Um, but, I mean, also blame goes to, uh, you know, the owners around the league. Um, but it's really been it's really been rough to see. It, it's a sad day for baseball. Um, and it's going to be really tough for them to recover from this. Do owners just want to get rid of baseball in March and April? It feels to me a lot like 2020 when all of the negotiation was done. We looked around and thought, oh, okay, so this was the plan all along. Like, you never wanted to play more than 60 games, right? This was all just one big yeah. skit. This feels similar. This feels like they never wanted to play in April. They only wanted to give the illusion that they did. I It feels very similar to 2020. Yeah, and I was just watching uh, Tony Clark and the Players Union. Uh, they just had a press conference talking about this, and uh, they put out statements before. Um, and it, really what it feels like is that the league is trying to break the union. Um, you know, not just, um, you know, not just, you know, getting the season on time. That's not what they're worried about. The union is more unified than they have been in a long time. And they are unified first and foremost in their hatred of Rob Manfred. Uh, but they are unified in uh, getting themselves a better deal. They've really kind of gotten uh, the, they've gotten the short end of the stick uh, in each of the last two collective bargaining agreements. Uh, and they're unified and they really want to. Uh, get some momentum, claw and get some things back and, and get things back going in their direction. And the league doesn't want to do that. They don't want to give up the gains that they've made over the past several years. And so they feel that if they're able to break the union now and they're not a- and, and they're able to get a deal without uh, giving the union what they want, that they can break them and break all the momentum that they had and continue to stay on top for however long. So we're speaking with David Gasper, reviewing the brew. You're talking about how baseball wants to break the union. Uh, I saw a tweet here earlier, and if I can't find it, I'll I'll just try to paraphrase it, because maybe you'll know what I'm talking about. I I saw a tweet that someone spoke to that they've talked with uh, uh, owners in the NFL and, and the NBA. Whenever someone joins football or joins basketball, from a major league baseball background or even a minor league background, somebody who is an executive of any degree in baseball, and they come to these other leagues, like their first goal is we're at odds with the players. We're against the players. We're not on the same side as them. We're enemies. Why is it in baseball that these two sides don't work together? Because I think in basketball and football, there's disagreement, but they realize that they're connected and they need each other. It just seems like baseball owners want to pound the players into the dirt. Like they don't want them to have any victory. They don't want the players to get anything. They don't even want it to be a compromise. Why is that in baseball? MLB has an antitrust exemption that the other leagues do not. NFL does not have an antitrust exemption. The NBA does not have an antitrust exemption. Yeah. The MLB does. 
Um, so no other leagues can start up um, and and kind of, you know, go beyond that level. Like, I mean, we've seen like the XFL and we've seen like um, the USFL and like other football leagues and whatnot try to start up. And, uh, you know, there was an ABA for a while until they kind of merged. But, you know, there was always, you know, competition. There were other places that players could go. With baseball, there isn't. Uh, it, it's a full antitrust exemption. They're able to get away with a lot of things. And uh, that's something that I, I think should be looked at. Um, and it, it's just, it's so tough to see this relationship really kind of deteriorate over the past several years. I mean, especially after the last CBA, yeah, this relationship has really been deteriorating really fast. And, you know, both sides, they're unable to trust the other. The players do not trust the league. The league does not trust the players. Um, it's, it's a shame. It's a shame that the owners seem to hate baseball as much as they do. Yeah. That, that they that they love profits and they love just squeezing that extra dollar out for themselves more than they actually care about uh, the game and the interests of the game of baseball. Now, I know a lot of people have very strong opinions about uh, Bud Selig when he was yeah. commissioner. A lot of people feel he wasn't that great as a commissioner uh, and things like that. But Rob Manfred loved baseball. Rob Manfred – or not Rob Manfred. Bud Selig, yeah, I know Bud what I mean. Selig, yeah. Bud Selig was – Bud Selig loved baseball. Bud Selig was looking out for the best interest of the game of baseball when he was commissioner. And you could say that about him. You cannot say that about Rob Manfred. He does not appear to be looking out for the best interest of the game of baseball at all. Well, here's a question. And this is something that Bart Winkler, by the way, is going to be on the show on Thursday. He's been a friend of show, as you have been, David Gasper, for a long time. Yeah. I've heard Bart say this a couple of times. Not that Rob Manfred is trying to blow up the sport. It's not like he's some agent that's gone undercover and is trying to take down baseball. But if he was, like, what would he do differently, realistically? Because if he was any more brazen than he's being now, like, we'd, we'd know, like, oh, he's trying to destroy baseball. If you were trying to go undercover and destroy a sport, what would you do differently than Rob Manfred has done so far? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I can't think of anything. That, that, that's how bad it is. Like, I, I can't think of anything as to what he would do differently to destroy it. I mean, pretty much every move that he's made – um, and everything that he's asked for has really kind of been like really kind of going at destroying the sport, whether he realizes it or not. Yeah. Um, you know, there are very few good things that he's actually done uh, over the course of his tenure as, as commissioner. And I think it was really telling when he said uh, just the other week that I'm the same person that I was in 1998. And it's like, I mean, shouldn't we grow and, you know, no. improve and, like be something no. over the last 20-something years? It's not what we do in this country. No, absolutely not. No, we're not growing. Yeah. We're not. We're not getting better. That's that's not what we're about. I. You, you know, another thing is, is I look through some of these headlines and, and articles, and everyone's putting out you know quotes from their sources. It, it seems like we have two things going on here, David. We have financials, and then we have like like bigger bases and pitch clocks and shifts. Mm -hmm. Is there any realistic way that we can split that up and be like, hey, we need to get the money nailed down, and then we'll start playing. And then if we want to talk about banning the shift or pitch clocks or bait, like there's too much, there's too much going on. And they're trying to agree on a million different things. They need to, they, they need to split this up. They need to be more methodical. Yeah. Like there's just too much. There's too much. Yeah, there is. Um, I, I saw a tweet about this uh, the other day that there was a memoration of understanding uh, that they have drafted that, you know, well, like once they get the basic financials agreed to, um, you know, and then you have like that side stuff, like the shift and whatever else, um, that they can work on that later that, you know, when you get the financials, you can agree to the, CD, to the CBA, have the memora memorandum of understanding, uh, focus on that later, but get camp started, get things going. 
um, and continue to work on the those minor parts of the deal. But none of it's going to happen until they figure out the the core economics, the the financials of it, the the competitive balance tax, the luxury tax, the pre-arbitration bonus pool, the minimum salary. Um, it, it's everything's going to revolve around that. And until they get that done, no, nothing else is going to happen. I don't get it. There's there's too much going on. And also, like, I see, I'm going to ask you about this. You're probably not going to have an answer. Some things that I just don't get with Rob Manfred. I don't know how he can look at us as he did today and tell us that the fans are their priority. I don't know how he can look at us and say that baseball's <laughs> losing money. It's been tough on the owners. And I don't know. I, I don't know how they can say they're working to resolve this. This should have been they should have started this in November, December, January. I just they're being so brazen about how little they care about the product and getting the product on the field on time. And I just I don't know how you fix that. I'm not going to quit baseball. And then, and then they're lying about it. Yeah, I'm not going to leave the sport and never come back. Number one, because this is my job and I just it's just kind of how I live my life. But there are a lot of people who are like, yeah, the Brewers are on. I'll, I'll throw them on the TV. I mean, this is going to piss a lot of people off. I mean, you can't just flip your middle finger to fans like this and expect them all to take it. I don't know. Yeah, it was really, really ridiculous to see him say that, you know, the fans are their number one priority and they care about listening to them. And then he says, and that's why we wanted to expand the postseason. I'm like, no yeah. one is talking about trying to expand the postseason. That, that's not what the fans are looking no, for. No one. I mean, there, there might be a few, but certainly not the consensus. I mean, what the fans are looking for is, first of all, have baseball happen, get a deal. That's the first thing we're looking for. I mean, the minimum salary, that's... That's not too much to ask, you know, an increased minimum salary. Baseball already has the lowest uh, league minimum uh, for young players of all the four major sports. So it's just, it's so ridiculous. And they're so out of touch and tone deaf, it appears, that they really don't know what is going on. And they either don't understand what the fans want or they just simply don't care. And I'm not sure which one is worse. It's probably both. They're probably out of touch and they don't care. Like, I, that's the vibe that I get. I mean, they don't care to get back in touch. I don't know. Of all the ways that you can make money as a rich person, why, why own a baseball team? Like, your team's going to suck. No one's going to come and you got to deal with CB8. Go do something else. Buy a, I don't know, buy a bunch of subways. Buy a hedge fund. I don't buy, know. Like, yeah, buy a hedge fund. I don't know. Get tax subsidies to, I don't know, whatever. It's too easy for rich people. I don't, if you don't want to own a baseball team, don't own a baseball team. Like, any of the poll ads in the Twin Cities with the Twins. It's like, do you guys even want to field a competitive team? And they've they've dealt out some contracts, but with so many of these teams, the Rockies or the Mariners, they just don't care. They don't care yeah, at and, all. And the Rockies owner is leading the negotiations for, for the Major League Baseball owners. How do you like, have like, a he's meeting the on chair of the Labor Policy when committee. that guy's a part of the meeting? He's a part of the meeting on, on competitive balance issues. How do you do that? How? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it makes it so much tougher to win, especially with the competitive balance. The small market teams don't really want to see it raised that much. And there's a lot more small market teams and there's, well, there's at least enough that can stop a deal. Yeah. You know, like you, need, you, eight, you need eight only owners. eight owners yeah. to stop a deal. And if you got eight small market teams, it's like, Hey, I don't want to see the competitive balance tax rise to $263 million for the yeah. first threshold. That's going to make it too impossible for us to compete. Yeah. So they, you know, just kind of really go against it. And the CBT has remained low in the, in the league's offers. And it's just, it's been rough. It's, it's been incredibly frustrating, especially for the players. And the players have made plenty of moves. Like, like the players yeah. have compromised a lot. The owners really have not moved at all. You going to the Badger game tonight? I am. I will be there. Oh, it's electric. It's going to be white out. It's going to be, it's going to be packed house. Oh man, it's going to be fun. 
I'm jealous. Well, yeah, last game I was at, Juwan Howard started throwing punches. Oh, yeah. You probably could have got down there. For listeners who don't know, how tall are you? 6'7", six, 6'6"? Six, six? Six, eight. Six, eight. Damn it. I did, see, yeah. I was going to say 6'8", but I didn't want to be too tall, and then that would have been. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, so going to basketball games, you know, I, I really kind of fit in around there. <laughs> yeah, you go <laughs> go down, grab a seat at courtside right next to the bench. No one's going to tell you no. You'll you'll fit right in. Well, dude, I thank you for coming on and working through oh, some yeah. of this stuff with me. Um, I, I'm always on to talk to to talk bad about Rob Manfred. Yeah, I know. Uh, Great selling point. You've been anti Rob Manfred from day one, long before a lockout. So I knew you'd be the guy today. Enjoy the game oh, tonight, yeah. man. Thanks for the time. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. Take care. That's David Gasper reviewing the brew. Follow him on Twitter at dgasper24. You can find his work there. He's always on top of it. He's putting out blogs. He's putting out stories and analysis. So go read his work. He is excellent, and I appreciate his time as always. We will wrap up the Wisco Sports Show. Coming up next, I don't know with what, but probably more whining about baseball. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, final segment. My name is Grant Bills. Big thanks to David Gasper for hopping on here for 20 minutes and just being a sounding board. Um, His work is excellent at reviewing the brew, and he follows baseball, and especially the Brewers, major and minor leagues, with as much diligence as anyone. Sometimes I just need someone here. I sit in a room by myself for two hours, and I just scream into the void. And I don't know if I'm right or wrong, because no one's here to call me on it, except for when Dave calls it. Was I naive? Was I dumb for thinking that the deal was actually going to get done last night or today? Both sides have huge incentive to make it happen. April baseball is awesome. This makes me sad. Now, I'm frustrated with Rob Manfred and I'm frustrated with baseball because they seem to not know exactly what the fans want and also they don't seem to care. If they didn't know but they were trying hard, that would be one thing. They're not trying. So I'm frustrated. I'm angry in lots of different ways about this, but I'm just sad mostly because the sport is heading in a trajectory I don't like. I don't want them to get rid of April baseball. I love April baseball. I have, let me let me pull back the curtain a little bit, talk about my personal self. Last spring, I remember a couple of months, a couple of my favorite weeks, literally my entire life, I was, I was moving from one apartment to the house where I live now. I remember the weather that week. I remember what it smelled like outside, like where the trees were blooming. It was this last week in April. I have a playlist on my Spotify account that is like dedicated to this one week. And I, it was one of my favorite weeks of my life. I don't even know why. It was just, I, I did a couple fun things. I was living in a new house. I'll never forget this very short period of my life. And I remember the songs that I was into that week. I have a playlist and the playlist is called, what is it called? They're all named stupid things. But the picture of this playlist is a box score from a Brewers-Royals game. And they lost 0-2. Remember this game? It was a, it was a rainy Wednesday night. One, it was a two-game series at the end of one of these games. Uh, was it Manny P- No, it wasn't Manny Pena. Avi Garcia got ejected in the bottom of the ninth. Remember, with two strikes. And Craig Council came out and was like, dude, really? Why'd you have to throw him? Now we got to send a pinch hitter out here who's cold into a two-strike count? Like, screw you, man. Like, I, I remember this game. I think Council got tossed. And I will remember this week for the rest of my life. And I'm looking at the playlist now. We got Tame Impala. Oh, Big Mac DeMarco period. Oh, this is great. Oh, it makes me feel emotional. I don't want April baseball to go away. 
I love April baseball. And the fact that the owners want to do away with it because there's not enough people that go to the games. Oh, sorry, you only make $3 billion instead of $4 billion. Like, sorry, go cry poor, you pieces of garbage. And I don't, I don't even know where Atanasio stands in all of this because on one hand, we just like to lambast the owners, but on the other, we're like, well, Atanasio's our guy. He's, he's kind of cool. You know, we, we like him. I don't know. I don't want April baseball to go away. Opening day is at the end of March, beginning of April. And that's how we time our lives. That's how we time our summers. I think I love April baseball a lot because there's still so much promise in the air. The trees are just starting to bloom. The days are really just starting to get long. You're just starting to be able to go outside and do things. And that's always paired up with spring baseball. And April is one of my favorite months of the year. And I have so many crisp memories. I remember in... The spring of 2017, watching a twin series at my buddy's house. He lived on King Street. God, that place is a dump. And we'd hang out on his deck and we'd watch Brewer games through the window or we'd just hang out. I remember one night sitting out on the deck after a Brewer game and we're just shooting the breeze about Josh Hader. Wow, what a dominant series. Like baseball is, in essence, at least the way I live my life, it's a little bit of a soundtrack to your summer starting at the very beginning in April when you kind of come out of hibernation and going all the way into September and October when the days start getting short and the weather starts getting colder. And it just breaks my heart that there are those in baseball who are supposed to love baseball more than anyone else because they work in the sport. It breaks my heart that they want to get rid of April baseball and they want to change the the sport fundamentally and they're willing to miss games this year to do it. And it just sucks. Makes me really sad. We'll talk more about all of this tomorrow. We won't be sad. We'll be glad. And hopefully we'll be talking about a Badgers team that wins the Big Ten. Talk to you tomorrow, starting at 4.